This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello, and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Jackie Kelly Iaa, a stand-up comedian, writer, and actor based in Oakland, California. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. We are going to move out of talking about uh, work issues and back into uh, family issues, which is, you know, the bread and butter of the show. Uh, And this is a sort of like classic issue, which is like, how do I deal with a mother who is both difficult uh, and someone who I really love and not just someone I would like to stop talking to? How do I know when a well's not going to draw water versus whether or not it would help to change my approach? What do I do here? Um, and I think those can be really uh, like interesting problems to try to think through one's options outside of merely, she's bad and you should walk away. So I will start us off. The subject is want to redirect. I started intensive therapy recently due to a traumatic childhood. When I told my mom about this, the conversation immediately devolved into her weeping about her own childhood, how at least she didn't beat her kids like she was beaten, and that she was just doing the best she could during my childhood. But I wasn't blaming her for anything. I just asked her a question about a different family member from my childhood, and then she suddenly made it about her, with me comforting her instead of the other way around. She's in therapy herself and is convinced that her current health issues mean she's dying. But she's barely 60, and her disease is not life-threatening. It's just debilitating and painful. On every call, she mentions how she's going to be dead soon, Her own dad died recently, and her estranged mother is now sick. Family dynamics throughout are complicated, and she's still married to my abusive stepfather. We've only had one conversation since that one. It was fine, but consisted mainly of her complaints that everything hurts, that she's dying, and that nobody cares about her. That's how most of our calls have gone for the last few months. I live across the country and only see her once or twice a year. I love my mom, but this is getting to be too much to handle. We've always been close and she's as much a friend as she is my mom. I'm sympathetic, but I don't know how to convey that I can't take on all her pain for her without upsetting her. Lots here, obviously, but, you know, I do want to at least give uh, the letter writer the sort of gift of clarity on that last sentence, which is, you know, I think you know this letter writer, but right now, whatever you say or don't say will probably upset your mother So, you know, if part of you is holding on to the fantasy that if only you can phrase this in just the right way, she won't be hurt, I don't think that's going to happen. She sounds hurt right now, physically, emotionally, in an ongoing way, in a chronic way, in a longstanding old way. And that doesn't mean you can't have useful conversations with her or try to change some of the dynamic. I, I think that's possible. But you know, you haven't been trying to hurt her feelings. You haven't been like cruel or dismissive. So as long as you kind of keep meeting your consistent standards of politeness, let that be your guide rather than how can I say something that will guarantee she won't be upset. I think expect when you bring this up, her first reaction will be just, I'm hurt and you will need to ride that wave. This one's a tough one. Relationships with mothers are so complicated she has a complicated relationship with her own mother. She, they say the letter writer writes estranged mother. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of family dynamics that appear to be pretty 
complicated and the whole reference to an abusive stepfather, like it's very clear that your mother right now is is not going to have a lot of resource to be there for you in your healing from your own childhood trauma. It's kind of like one of those things when you're looking for, you're seeking closure in a relationship. It could be romantic. It could be friendship, any kind of relationship. And you, you, you want to seek out the person who, who did the harm. And, and you may not actually need to do that. A lot of your traumatic, a lot of your healing from your traumatic childhood could be done on your own. And I think it might even be more helpful um, because, you know, this might be a step back if you engage your mom in that process. And I'm sorry for that. Yeah. I want to really defer here to the letter writer's like stated goals and priorities because of course my tendency is to see the part about, you know, she's still married to my abusive stepfather. Like I want to connect the dots and say like abusive to you, abusive to her, abusive to both and and kind of think if she is committed to staying with him after so many years, there's just going to be a real limit to how honest any conversation about your childhood can be with her. And therefore you should not try at all. Um, and, you know, that's my sort of um, my own context of, like coming into this one, but like the letter writer at least wants to try. So I, I think I would encourage the letter writer to take a look maybe at this letter again and and try to put together like a, a brief list of like just first in a vacuum and then later in context. Like, what would I like from my mother? Not necessarily things that I think I'm likely to get, but just like if I were writing down like a list of things I could get from her, what would they be? Would they be for her to be able to listen to me talk about my therapy without reacting? Would it be to like have her be in an ongoing way, helping me process my feelings about my traumatic childhood that I'm getting brought up in therapy and hearing her affirm me and agree with me about my perspective on my childhood? Would I like her to leave my abusive stepfather? Would I like her to acknowledge that he is abusive if she hasn't done so? Um, I don't, I don't, you know, would I like her to talk about her health in a different way? Um, I, I don't know, but it might be nice to see them all kind of like written down in a row just so you can get a sense. And again, the idea here is not only write down the things that you think are reasonable to expect from her or that you think you're likely to get, just like, where am I coming from in this? What do I want from her? Uh, and then you can kind of, I think, spend a little time thinking about what have I historically been able to get from her? And then what are my backups? If I ask her for something or suggest we try something and she's either uninterested or eventually tries but is unable to do the things that I would like her to do, like what will I do if that doesn't work? Because I think it's lovely to try and I think it's smart to have a backup. Um, just because I think if if she's still married to one of the people who made your childhood abusive and traumatic absent a really big change right now, I would be surprised if she were ever able to say anything like, you know, you're right. I can see how I participated in the abuse by staying with your stepfather and I'm sorry. That's really difficult for people to say even under easier circumstances. The, the stuff about the health felt a little bit thornier to me because while I can understand why the letter writer finds it really difficult to hear repeated 
you know, claims of like, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. Nobody cares about me, which I can really understand why that feels manipulative. I would also, you know, that bit about her disease isn't life-threatening, just debilitating and painful. I don't think it was written flippantly, but it did, it, it did make me like laugh, a grim little laugh of just like, well, that's pretty rough. And, you know, I, I agree. She's not like on death's door at 60, but like if her father just died, her mother is dying, she's experiencing a painful new disease. I get why she's freaked out about death. I get why it's on her mind yeah. a lot. And so that part to me did not seem like, wow, that's where's that coming from? What a drama queen. Did that feel true for you as well? Did you have other thoughts there? Yeah. I'm just like, this mom is hurting. And she's struggling to process her own reality as it looks. And I just feel like, you know, well, first off, I'm happy that she's in therapy because that is a huge step. I was like, Mm -hmm. hey, go mom being in therapy while having all of these things happening. Um, I I feel like there she's she's going through a really rough time and I can see how it's unfortunate that the timing is such that you're seeking out healing because of a lot of things that happened. And I don't think she has any capacity to be there for you through that process. And I'm sorry that's the case. Like, you know, that this is a hard one. Um, I think that she also maybe, and I don't know, I'm not, I don't want to assume, but there's probably some other stuff that she's had going on for decades, even before you were born, that she's still hurting from. And I know that it, it's such a hard thing to process relationships with our parents, especially if there was abuse in the household, whatever kind of abuse it may have been. It was abuse and you were a child and you didn't have the ability to stand up for yourself. And there were, you had to go with what was the, the, the ebb and flow of what your parents put in front of you or the folks who raised you. And I think now there's there's an extra layer in there about your mom that I'm like, okay, she definitely sounds like a hurt woman and it doesn't negate any of your hurt and maybe the the complacency or the acceptance or whatever allowed the hurt to happen to you as well. Um, but I just see her as someone who didn't have support herself and maybe doesn't now either. I don't know if she's got good friends or confidants that she can talk to. You may, letter writer, be one of the few people you know, you talk about your mom as a friend. So I think there's just, both of you are in a place that's very sensitive right now. And I think that, you know, you can be there for your mom as much as you can be. But like Danny said, I I think it's unlikely that she's going to be able to be the, you know, meet all the expectations that you do deserve. But I I think that's just what happens with parents. Um, this This is the age old question. I feel like everyone is going through some form of this in their adult lives, sort of sorting through all the stuff that happened they didn't have control over. Yeah. So letter writer, you know, as you consider how you might want next to proceed, um, again, I think there are a lot of available options to you, whether that be just, I would like to uh, redirect our next phone conversation, even if it's not for another couple of weeks or months. Um, Maybe it's, I would like to, revisit our last conversation and ask her if she is willing to hear something from me and try, even if that goes badly, I'd rather try that than not. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's, I want to talk about this with a few close trusted friends or a partner or a therapist um, and think about 
how might I try to have this conversation with her before giving it a shot? But um, I, I would suggest, um, and you know, you can either say this to your mom in your next phone call, or if you want to send her a relatively brief version of of a text. Like, obviously, you can't make it so short that it's like easy breezy. Um, but you can say something like, "I wanted to check in with you the last time that we spoke." I had talked about how I'm going to therapy to talk about childhood stuff. And I noticed you had a really strong reaction. And I just want to make it really clear. I didn't bring that up as a gotcha. I wasn't trying to make you feel guilty uh, about how you raised me. Um, And I really, really would love to be able to sometimes talk about this with you. Um, But I don't want to do it if it will feel difficult for you to engage with it on any other level than hearing it as a uh, critique of your parenting. So give that a little thought if you can, and let me know if you think you're available to have that conversation. Because what I would love to be able to do is tell you a little bit about what it's like for you to listen and hear me out, and maybe even to ask me a question or two about what it feels like for me. Um, And if that just sounds like I'm asking too much, let me know, and I won't do that. But I would love to, if that's possible. I think that's the best way to approach it because I really don't want to encourage you to say, don't worry, mom. I know you did the best you could because I don't know if you've, you know, I know you love her. I know you've been close. You've been a friend, but I don't want to put you in a position of like having to make affirmations or statements about your childhood that you may or may not actually believe to be true. So I'm trying to walk that line of being, you know, mindful of how her last reaction was, having compassion for her very real distress about her own abuse of childhood, and yet not letting the conversation then once again get derailed into her childhood rather than yours. Ideally, you know, you might be able to discuss some elements of her childhood later, but but not as uh, this immediate attempt to sort of like justify, deflect, and say, I, I can't hear you say anything that might even indirectly make me think you mm-hmm. might have felt pain as a child because that makes me feel like you're saying I was a bad mother and I feel like an injured child myself. So I'm not ready to be treated like a mother. Um, that's a tough place to be. Right. And, you know, if she can hear that, one again, one advantage to maybe doing that over text or email is like it gives her a minute to settle and sit with the question rather than have an immediate response. Um, and so hopefully if she's capable of that reflection and, and calm before answering, that might uh, help her. And if not, at least then there's the distance of like, okay, she sent back like a pretty intense uh, response, but at least I can then like read it slowly, take my time with it. We're not hashing it out in the moment. Does that seem reasonable? Does that seem like too optimistic? I think that sounds reasonable. Like, I think the big cue that makes me think it sounds reasonable is that she herself is in therapy. So she knows there's something that needs to be addressed <laughs> and and is going out and seeking that that help herself. So I feel like she might be in a space where maybe it'll take her a few therapy sessions to work through it and say, hey, I got this text from my child and, you know, they're asking me for X, Y, and Z. So you might not get a response right away or you might get a response. Who knows? But um I think that's a really good way to give them a heads up and then give them time to, you know, give your mom time to process on, on her end. And I think this is wonderful. You're, you're approaching this as a cycle breaker in your family. You know, you're, you're looking to address things and you're looking to heal. And I think that not everybody's on board. You know, a lot of people struggle with with cycle breakers in their family, they get a lot of pushback, mm-hmm. but, um, 
I think it's it's important for it, it's clearly important for your healing process, letter writer, and it could have wonderful benefits for your mother and and other relationships in your family. So it's it is courageous work, but I I think that I just wish you well on this process because this is a big one, this is a heavy one, and I just ask that however you decide to proceed, you have compassion with yourself and uh, you continue to be kind to yourself because uh, this is. This is a challenging situation for sure. Yeah. I have two final thoughts on the subject before I will let this letter writer go because I realize I've, I've already suggested a lot. The first is uh, sort of a, a bigger picture, which is I don't know, again, like the exact nature of her relationship with your stepfather. Um, I don't know who the primary target of his abusiveness has historically been. I don't know what that looks like. My guess is it's not great. And part of what she's talking about when she says nobody cares about me is like the person I live with and would maybe possibly require to be a caregiver to me is not a caregiver, is not choosing to care about me. And that I imagine is pretty painful. It's again, I don't want to say like, you should really feel terrible for your mom. Uh, This is something that should make you feel guiltier about not wanting to hear her, um, vent constantly. Um, I just mean that this might be a limit for her, both in her ability to um, look after herself and be looked after well enough to handle hearing about other people's pain. But sometimes it also means that there is a limit to how much truth a person is able to listen to or acknowledge. Because if her life, her continued life, her financial security, her sense of the future relies on staying married to this man, you should expect it as a matter of course rather than a painful surprise. And it can, of course, be a painful matter, of course, if she cannot look with open, clear eyes on your childhood because her bread and butter is the abusive stepfather. Her her future is him. Her choice is him. And I don't say that in the sense of like she was standing in a spiritual vacuum in the heavens and someone showed her a picture of you and a picture of him and said, choose one to love better. And she chose him. I just truly mean somebody who is still married to a partner who abused you as a child is unlikely to be a candidate to someone who is willing to hear how they harmed you or who is willing to hear anything resembling honesty about your childhood. So again, I don't say that to fill you with despair. Um, I I just would say, if you ask questions, if you want her to listen, um, do not be surprised if she comes up against a hard limit because she has already made a a pretty significant choice on that front. That's That's the first. The second is just separate from that, I think, are the health issues, which to me seem really on a different plane. It makes sense to me that she is full of fear. It makes sense to me that she's in pain. Um, I I would encourage you on that front. Again, if you're just like, I'm not up for any of these phone calls, I I would never suggest you must do it, especially given everything else that's going on. But when you do talk, maybe it would help to lead with it rather than to wait for her to bring it up and to say just, I know the last time we talked, um, you were in a lot of pain physically and you were really scared. And I just want you to know, I'm really, really sorry. I know that doesn't fix it. Uh, I know there's not a lot I can do to fix it. Um, But I just want you to know, I've been thinking about you. It matters to me. And I'm so sorry. Again, 
Some people, they'll hear that and that won't change anything. She'll still talk about it in the exact same way. I don't think that's going to be a magic bullet. But if there's an opportunity for her to really hear that and to actually experience that as an act of care, it will be good to have paved the way for it. And that might um, ease the way for her to actually feel listened to and held in her own pain such that she can then in turn do the same for you. And if she can't, again, just get a lot of backups in there. I have had plenty of backup days where I have reached out to either a friend or a therapist because I'm just in like a howling, I have no mother day, right. um, which is like, they're both very painful and also like delightfully uh, theatrical. Like I can both feel like a real primal loss and also just like really laugh at myself acting like a Tennessee Williams character, like walking around and be like, look at my mothering wound. Isn't it terrible? Like it's, it's both devastating and very, very funny to have mother issues, I think. Everybody has, oh my God, everybody has mother issues. This is like the, this is, you know, the age old story. <laughs> okay, but mine are, mine are the worst and the most interesting. Okay. Because okay. it's a contest, <laughs> apparently. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>